Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 112 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here along with Kurt Mortensen, who's been traveling his brains out. Michigan and New York, or are you on your way to Puerto Rico yet? That's going to be this week. We're heading to Puerto Rico, doing a big event there, a three-day event in Puerto Rico. Oh, muy bien. Yeah, so we'll see. I'll let you know how that turns out next episode, but it should be good. Big company. I'll find out if we're able to share who that is, but... Uh, They've got divisions all over the world. I just have to go into the more tropical division, which also makes travel much easier because I'd rather go to a tropical place than a frozen place. Well, that's good. Yeah, you went from northern Michigan to Puerto Rico. I, th- I think you got both sides covered here. Yeah, Michigan, it's starting to get cold. The leaves were changing, so it's time. Yeah, Puerto Rico's awesome. In Puerto Rico, they have, it's called Mofongo. It's a mashed up plantain, and they top it with, you know, different kinds of protein but if you need a recommendation there in the town square in old san juan i've got one for you but i think you're on the south side aren't you i'm gonna be on the south side but you love those plantains because that's what we were eating in the dominican republic wasn't it yeah yeah i've had a lot of them in my life i'm pretty partial to plantains i like them all the different ways <laughs> that they make them and rice and beans and I, I like that eastern caribbean food kind of my thing that'll be our next episode 101 things to do with the plantain that's right one of the great things you can do with the plantain is if you ate something that you shouldn't, eat some plantains. Oh, fixes everything. Yeah, I right? won't. I won't go into the details, but you can imagine uh, there. Not too much, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, good food in Puerto Rico. Awesome people, friendly, great music, awesome weather. Kurt's going to go down there, and maybe we can we can tell who he trained. But uh, a big company that needs to know a little bit more about influence and persuasion, as we all do, always, and that's why we're doing the show. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. So we want to talk about something that's pretty hilarious. I think you've all felt it. You know, you're in your car. You're, I can't see you right now, but you're listening to the show. You felt FOMO. What is that? It sounds kind of weird. FOMO. It's FOMO, Kurt. What is <laughs> that's that? our word of the day. Word of the week. FOMO. FOMO. Seems fun to say. <laughs> <laughs> you just go up to someone, you're a FOMO. <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're waiting in line for, for seconds, somebody says, what are you waiting for? And you're, you're waiting FOMO. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's proper English, right? There. That is very proper English, but not what the word means in this instance. It's actually an acronym. Kurt, take it away, and I'll give you the option to queue up the Urkel or not. All right. We well, don't think we did it last time. We'll do it this time. Urkel, go. Go. <laughs> All right, Urkel, thank you for that. This is from Dr. Linda Sapadin. She has coined a new word called FOMO, which is the fear of missing out. And I think we all have a little of this with the social media and our phones with us. And it is. She says that FOMO is really strong for those that are hooked or even addicted to social media. Why? Because they're constantly aware of what others are doing. And when that phone dings, they might miss out. And what's somebody else doing? And what's that new Facebook post? And the challenge is that everyone's flaunting what they're doing. I think we've talked about this before. They're flaunting the best stuff they're doing, and you're comparing it to the worst stuff you're doing. Right? Yeah, that's right. So they're hiking in the mountains of Colorado, and you're eating a hot dog, right? And so <laughs> that causes some challenges, especially with the kids. And so you have to ask yourself, do you feel that you've missed out on an incredible adventure when you see your friends 
posing at the Eiffel Tower or they're in the Cayman Islands or they're on a safari. So there's a couple things going on here is that I think your psyche is messed up. Your self-esteem is messed up. Again, we're comparing our weaknesses to someone else's strengths or our boring part of our life to their exciting part of our life. When, when you switch it up, they're probably a lot more equal. Do you get stuck that when that phone dings or, or you might miss out on something, that's the FOMO. She says it's a brand new thing. She says it's something that's really increasing and that sometimes we get anxiety because we might miss out. And she says, if this is a challenge for you, this is what you keep in mind. First of all, remind yourself that no one's perfect, even if it looks that way on Facebook or their social media, right? And she says, relax and enjoy and appreciate what you have instead of always looking at what others have and feeling bad about yourself. Because when you get stuck, that can be a real downward spiral with that fear of missing out and always comparing ourselves. And it's interesting in a room of maybe 20 people and one phone dings. It's like Pavlov's dog. Everyone's looking, right? They're, they want to see if it's them and what's going on and what's happening. And it's probably something stupid or a weird Facebook post or they've received an email. It really doesn't matter. It's probably spam. But they check. They might miss out. And when we do check, again, it messes with our psyche because we're comparing their great stuff to our average stuff. When, when in that situation, we'll never win. Yeah, it's real, and it's it's always been around, but it's so much more intensified. We're we're a lot more aware of it now with social media. you got to love the social media. I don't think that I've ever known so much about people that I don't even know. <laughs> that you didn't want to know, that yeah. you now know. It's like, TMI, didn't need to know, but now you know. Now your brain's getting so full that you can't know. Yeah, you're sitting around sense at all. <laughs> with your loved ones or family or friends ignoring them because you want to see what some person that you don't even know is doing. <laughs> and it's it's pretty ridiculous. Exactly. And like she's saying that this is an addiction, the fear of missing out, and it clearly is. I mean, you really see people that just live on these things. How many times have you walked into a room and seen everybody staring at their phone? That happened to you? <laughs> That happens to me. That happens at family gatherings. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. We're supposed to be talking. It's like, well, we're texting each other. No, we're in the same room. What are we all Let's doing talk. here? Nobody nobody wants to be here, apparently. Everybody's staring we're at their phone. We're just hanging out. Yeah, but you're not even looking or talking to anybody, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's pretty okay. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, FOMO. Well, that's what it is. FOMO. Now you know. <laughs> <laughs> so there you, know, you can sound impressed. It's like, oh, you're doing a little FOMO, right? That's right. Are you suffering yeah, from a bad case that. of FOMO? Yeah, they might slap you because they might think it's something else, but hey, it'll be fun anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, if you just say that, you, you got some bad FOMO going on? That sounds a little edgy. <laughs> You're not quite sure what that could be. Like, no, I showered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not FOMO. I'm showered. No. What are you talking about? No, doctor gave me a prescription for my FOMO. What are you talking about? Ooh. ooh. What do you think FOMO is? Listeners, have fun with that word. This yes, week. enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> you heard it here first on this podcast. You heard it here first on Maximize Your Influence. Thanks for that. And tell your friends. Tell your friends about the show. Have them listen. They might be having some FOMO. They don't know what they're missing out on this thing. That's right. So increase the FOMO when you're recommending the show. That's right. Yeah. Leave us reviews on iTunes. We're always appreciative of those. Send us your feedback to MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. You can send questions, insults, comments, whatever you want there. And you know, we might not do anything with it. But then again, we might. <laughs> we might laugh at it. We might use it. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, so, you know, write it accordingly. Write it according to what you want us to do with it. And I, I bet you'll be successful. I have confidence in you. You've been listening to the show. You know how to be persuasive. So, yes, use it. Yeah, use it. Let's move along here. And this actually plays into what we've just been talking about, the FOMO thing. And this is something that we like to hit on periodically because it's a lot like 
what we discussed last week on rapport and some of these basic things that that we forget to do. We just get in our daily habit of persuasion and we've got our way of doing things and we're leaving something totally obvious out of our presentation or we're not taking something into account. And one of those is the law of scarcity and how we manage the availability of our product, right? It's human nature to want something that you can't have. If we think that we can't have it or that we're not going to be able to have it soon, then people go crazy for it. And that's a component of scarcity is the whole FOMO thing. You don't want to miss out. Oh, I'm not going to be a part of this and they're doing things without me, right? Because that's, that's just such a teenager thing, <laughs> okay? The FOMO and <laughs> I'm missing out and maybe I'm insulting everybody, but we're all kind of just grown up teenagers. Yeah, pretty much. Right? You know, it's under the surface. Everybody still has the same insecurities and the doubts and the fears and things like that. Teenagers just wear them on their sleeve, but... Grown adults have the same thing going on, and wow, using the law of scarcity is the absolute best way to tap into that. Kind of makes me feel bad to do it, but it works. So let's talk about it. Yeah, this is a fun one. When you look at scarcity, we have to say that this is the most overused, abused, but you still need to use law of persuasion in existence, <laughs> okay? Because how many times can a furniture store go out of business? How many times, right, can they say the sale ends today and you don't believe them? So it is abused, but then if you tell someone, hey, whenever you get around to it, come back and purchase, they're never going to come back. So we have to use scarcity. We have to use urgency or we'll never see this person again. A lot of people call these people be-backs, right? I'll be back. They're not coming back. And so they if are you can not. restrict the <laughs> No, they're not coming back. So if you can restrict the availability of a product, a service, a time, or information, or set limitations, this makes a big difference because people want to have it more. The thought of losing $100 has more psychological impact than the thought of gaining $100. And things are scarce, less available, drives us to action. We want it more. We can think of the Black Friday sales during Thanksgiving. So if we could create a demand or a lure or do those type of things, people want it more. It's, it's part of our psyche. I mean, you put kids into a room with 20 toys and say, just don't play with that one. Play with the other 19. Don't play with that one. They play with that one three times faster. You tell your teenagers, no, don't date him. Don't date him. Don't date her. They want to date him more. My wife sends me to the store for ice cream and I buy four. Why'd you buy four? Limit four. It said limit four. I bought four, right? There's just something about that. Home shopping network with the countdown clocks. We have orbits now with Oh, only two seats left at this price. And that's important because if I go to the website and look at airfare, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good fare. I'll, I'll come back and get it another time. But now it says only two left. Now that drives me to action, and I will do it. So if there's not a deadline, a reason to do it, a reason to think about it, you've got to be very careful because they say they're going to think about it. They say they're going to be back. They say they're going to do it. But if you don't make it happen, a lot of times and most of the time, it won't happen. A little under a year ago, my wife and I were shopping for some new appliances, and I talked about this on the show. I think it was a blunder. We were at Sears. They had a big sale going on, and I had my credit card on the table. I was trying to give them money, if you remember this. <laughs> and they were having this computer problem, and I just, after about 20 minutes, I was like, guys, I'll come back and do this, but I can't sit here. This is ridiculous. And the poor sales guy, he watched me walk out that door. And I, I was really thinking, yeah, I'll, I'll do this. And he's watching me walk out the door, and you could see he was dead in his eyes. <laughs> the tears in his eyes. Yeah, he just <laughs> knew. I was trying to hand him the credit card, and he could not take it because the stupid computer didn't work. And then what happens? We're driving down the road. 20 minutes later, we cool off. And those Sears guys are idiots. 
not going to buy anything from them. Their computer doesn't even work. We ordered them all on Home Depot on the way home from our smartphone. Guy never saw me again, right? <laughs> it's just classic. Just classic. And that happens all the time. Yeah. It yeah. Does. <laughs> One of my favorite examples is Disney. When they sell all those DVDs, they say, last time this decade, last time this century. And if you don't get it now, it's going back in the Disney vault. Yeah. <laughs> And we all know there's no Disney vault, but we do know Disney keeps their word. And when they say it's the last time this year, it will be taken off the shelf. And it's just amazing what it does to the movie sales. Such a good point. Such a great illustration between the hokey furniture store that goes out of business all the time and actually having legitimate scarcity. And as you can see there, Disney, we know they've got the stupid videos that they could flood the market with them at any time, but they don't. And that's legitimate scarcity. Either there's only so many seats on the plane or you know the person will stand by it and they will not let you in after that time or that date or that price. I think that's probably the biggest theme that we need to keep in mind is the scarcity must be legitimate in order to work. Absolutely. In fact, let's give the listeners a little formula here on how to use this because it is, it's abuse and it's that high cheese lactose thing that you talk about, right? It's like really... Because you're at the cell phone store wholesaling today, like, whatever, I'll come back tomorrow. Like, okay. <laughs> so we've seen the high cheese factor, but I know for myself, I was buying a car and like, oh, I'll just come back tomorrow. Like, oh, no, you can't. Someone's coming right now to look at this car. I'm like, hey, persuasion, that's what I do, whatever. And I came back the next day, it was gone. So there's both sides to this as far as when it works, when it doesn't work, what it does to people. So here's the formula on how to use this. Now, you always want to use deadlines, you can use limited space, you can use potential loss, you can use restricting freedom. Those all work within scarcity. But to really make any of those work, there's three parts to it. First of all, the one you mentioned, it's got to be legitimate. If you say it ends today, it ends today. If you say the contract expires in two weeks, it, con it, it expires in two weeks. You've, it's got to be legitimate and you've got to hold to your guns and say, okay, that's it, it's done. Mm -hmm. You've got to do that. If not for yourself, for every other persuader out there, because you're hurting them because they think, oh, wow, whatever, you'll, you'll do it for me. No, stick to your guns, be legitimate, and when you say it ends in a week, it ends in a week. Number two, it has to be believable, right? It has to be believable in their brain. Let them know why it ends today. They have to believe it. Let them know, hey, yeah, well, we're going to run out of supplies. Look, those are the last three right there. It has to be believable. We always tell the truth. But the truth isn't always believable, so you have to let them know, okay, why this is there, why there are restrictions, why there's a deadline, why you're only accepting three people, why they might lose out. They need to know. That's number two. Number three, new research shows that you should buffer your scarcity with some type of reward. So you increase the scarcity. Yeah, the sale does end today, but when you can do it today, I can give you an extra 1,000 minutes. We are only accepting three people for this committee, but when you're chosen for that committee, you get to take Fridays off. So when you have scarcity, it's a good thing. Make sure it's legitimate, believable, and buffer it with some type of reward. It works a lot better. So you say, yeah, that's true. You only have a week to do that. But if you can do it in that week, what I can do is do it at 4% instead of 5%. So you do it with some type of reward. Yeah, if you get the home, you have to do it this week. You do it this week, you'll be able to get the play set or the piano or the cabinets in the garage. Whatever it is, buffer that scarcity with some type of reward. So those three, legitimate believable and reward. Yes, all very all very much so. It works effectively when you get that legitimate deadline and that reward where it's buffered. They just check their brain at the door, don't they? They just there's just too many many overwhelming things happening and they get the wallet out. Period. 
I've seen some really wealthy, successful people and their $1,000 suits or whatever they're wearing, but when they, they're scarcity, there's not a gift for and when they're scarcity, they're not enough to go around, and if they don't act now, I've seen them run back, push people out of the way, tables collapsing, people throwing credit cards at you. People just go nuts if they think, if they feel that they might miss out if they don't act right now. Oh, you were in the room when this happened to me once, and we were presenting and marketing a training product, and I was in the middle of the whole scarcity pitch, and a guy ran up and handed me his credit card in front of 200 people. <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't buy that. That's just magic. We should have given it to that guy for free, but it just it's magic, and he didn't even know what it was going to cost. He just wanted it. It didn't matter what it cost. Here you go. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> Does, doesn't matter. You know, charge it. Let me know that's later. Scarcity with social validation—that's a home run, right there. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's prob- <laughs> that's on my highlight reel. So, how's that for some FOMO? That's some FOMO. Or the old days where they had those credit card machines that are like chung 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 chung. Yeah, yeah. So people are listening, and in the back room, it's all chung, 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 chung. <laughs> so you've got scarcity and social validation and a noise trigger all going at once, and that really freaks people out. They want it even more. Yeah, if you're working in that kind of high-pressure environment, you need to have a guy just in the back of the room with one of those old credit card <laughs> machines, even though people are just keying credit cards into an iPad. He's got to be back there. Clunk, 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 clunk. I knew one guy who got the really went from that to the really noisy printers. Remember the printers that would print out the credit card receipts? The dot He's, matrix. The, the dot matrix yeah. he'd keep in the room. He got the loudest ones <laughs> possible. <laughs> he swore by it. That's what I'm using. You know, some people are still using that. I bought some car stuff at O'Reilly Auto Parts the other day, and he let me get you a receipt. Dot matrix starts humming. I'm like, you guys kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good stuff. What else on scarcity should we keep in mind, Kurt? One interesting one, and it. Interesting that this fits in scarcity is when you tell a secret, what it does to people. First one was a beef supply company. They sold beef to restaurants and, you know, they had their normal sales. But then one week they tried, hey, beef's going to be in short supply. And it doubled sales just by saying it's going to be in short supplies. But what was really interesting is to say, hey, nobody knows this. Don't tell anybody. It's a secret. Beef's going to be in short supply. The sales actually went up six times just by mentioning that. Mm-hmm. And you see this in courtroom all the time at the University of Chicago Law School. They did some studies and they looked at things where you hear this all the time when the judge says, oh, oh, disregard that information. You're not allowed jury. Don't pretend yeah, I love you didn't that. hear that. Forget it. <laughs> well, all the lawyers know that that is exactly what they wanted to happen. Because when they said, oh, it's a secret, disregard it. Anyway, when you look at what was received, it went up 40% when they said, oh, it's a secret, disregard that information. And it went up by over 40%. Okay, so one more thing we want to cover on scarcity before we head on to our blunder. Well, there's also the negative side where we have to be careful because sometimes even in sales, we say, no, this is not appropriate for you. And they want it more. <laughs> like, no, really, it's not appropriate for you. So, no, yeah, it is. We want it more. Or sometimes when you want to get people on a committee, say, well, you're only choosing three. And sometimes it causes conflict. But one interesting one, this happened where I grew up in Orange County, California, where they were having a drought. One of the main water pumps was going out. They were trying to replace it. The mayor comes to the media and says, okay, look, I don't want to put on restrictions. I don't want to do that. But just on your own, conserve water. Don't water your lawn as much. Don't fill up your pools. Just be careful so we don't have to do restrictions. And you want to know what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Water consumption went through the roof, 10 times higher than it ever was because people were filling their pool and watering their lawns just in case. I don't want restrictions. We can't have that. And people used it more because they were preparing in the future when that restriction was going to take place. Water consumption went through the roof. Wow. 
Well, it's not shocking, but in the way it is, right? It is. That's human nature. It's called psychological reactance. If you want a word of the week, that's how we're programmed. Every culture, it's part of who we are. We can use it in a very good way, in a good ethical way, because think about it. And I've said this before. When you believe in your product or service, you have a moral and ethical responsibility to persuade them and to use scarcity. Because if you don't, somebody with an inferior product, bad customer service, is going to be the one that persuades them. And now they're stuck with a product that doesn't work that's inferior because you didn't have the persuasion skills. Well, how do you feel about yourself now? Yeah. How's that for the non-sugar-coated version? Yeah, right? we like it. Sometimes it I, offend, I had to offend a few people. But anyway, I'm, that's good Good offense right there. That offends you. You've got some changes to make. That's right. That's right. Well, good. Why don't we queue up the Homer? Homer, go! Go, go, go! I don't think I mentioned this. I think I just mentioned it to you once, Kurt. But do a good job, everybody. Right? Make sure your marketing materials are presentable. We talked about Kurt's van that went down his street the other day, the tree trimming company. You know, the van looked like it would have been on Dateline NBC with Chris Hansen. A super creepy van and just really bid bad, bad lack of credibility. I'm at a stoplight the other day and there's a carpet cleaning van parked in front of me and they had placed some advertising on their windows with decals of numbers and phone numbers and prices and things. And they said new low price and it was $69 for three rooms. But you look at the window and you can see the, the gross film from the stickers that had been on there previously that they had peeled off. And you could see that maybe a week ago it was 59 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so what did I think of the new low price? Um, you should say new high price. Is that what you're saying? That's what I cut. Yeah. I thought, yeah, they, <laughs> I think they're supposed to put high on there. <laughs> so really guys, all it takes is, is a razor blade and some Windex and a rag and you don't have this problem. So people pay attention to these kind of details. You're, the people you're marketing to are more skeptical. They're more educated than ever before. And you got to get the details right because just one little mix up eliminates that rapport that you've been trying to build. And now you just, you're totally behind the eight ball. You don't stand a chance. It was like we were talking last episode when, when somebody doesn't like you or something goes wrong early on, everything else is automatically perceived negatively. When, if things went right early on, Everything else would be perceived positively, even though it's the same stuff. It just mm -hmm. starts you out differently. It reminds me of I was going to the swap meet. Some people call it a flea market, depending on the part of the country you're from. And I picked up an item that I wanted. I said, he says, that's $15. He says, I thought it was 10 He's like, okay, it's 10 I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like what you said. Well, what's the real price here? Then you're going to have trust issues. You're really looking at what's going on. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, okay, 10 bucks. So I was going to pay 15 and now it's 10 Trust issues, credibility issues, just like that van you saw. You got to be very, very careful with that. Yeah, nothing's harder than telling a customer this is going to cost more money than you thought. You got to get that one right, guys, because that battle is really tough to win. Yeah, got to contrast it the right way to where when you get to price, it's like, that's it. Even if they can't afford it, they know it's a good value. Yeah, yeah contrast is very powerful when done in the right way and probably even more powerful when done in the wrong way. <laughs> This is true. It's not so the kind true. of power you want to be on the other end of. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Stop those things immediately. Thanks for listening to the show, everybody. We appreciate it. Leave us your reviews on iTunes. As I said earlier, send us your feedback to maximize your influence at gmail.com. And we will catch you next week on another episode. See you next week and persuade with power. 